This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, exclusively on the Bun 2.0, KBUNFM 104.5. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by DS Beverages, Paul Bunyan Country's distributor of Anheuser-Busch products, and by Bonded Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Safes in Paul Bunyan Country. Once again on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we get to talk with John Williams. He's the Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager. We've wrapped up the uh, major portion of deer hunting, the the, uh, rifle season, the firearm season, and uh, we're going to kind of get a feel for how that's going. But first of all, John, just thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I want to get your thoughts on a big story that broke here in the North Country uh, the last uh, couple of days. Uh, up in Red Lake, uh, a Brainerd area man went into the nation and uh, went to a, a, a dump area where bears were known to be and shot a 700-pound bear, took some pictures, took the head and the paws, and basically left the rest of the bear. Um, he's being charged with a misdemeanor and... and uh, there seems to be there's a lot of outrage about this. Okay, I haven't really uh, been quite in tune with that story, Kevin, but I've heard a little about it, you know, from that standpoint. But obviously, there's several items that would uh, uh, obviously raise the attention of a lot of people, including the band. I would think itself if he wasn't a member. Um, but yeah, um, uh, what's the gain in doing something like that? It gives hunting a bad name, makes you look bad as well. So um, yeah, what can I say other than? Probably was a bad choice. <laughs> Very bad choice. And uh, it was interesting as I was reading, we, we had it posted on our BemidjiNow.com uh, news uh, Facebook page. But the, re- the response is general outrage from hunters. They are not fond of this behavior at all, which I was glad to see. Yeah, it gives hunters a bad name all the way around uh, when you have something like this happen. And I never will forget one of the uh, illustrations that you see some some of the documents that were made in the 50s. said one bad apple spoils, spoils them all, you know, and yeah. it shows a big picture of a barrel with a bunch of apples in it. And, yeah, everybody says throw them all away. It's a bad deal. Yeah. Well, and to me, I mean, if you're in an area where you know bears hang out, there's not even a challenge to that. Well, you know, bear hunting is something that, you know, you typically spend time scouting. You certainly are, are baiting for the most part. Uh, most people do that. Um, and you work with what you have. You work with the permission of the land that you're hunting on, or if it's public land, you're, you know, working with posting the, the baiting locations, all this type of stuff. It's a little effort for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and you may have a situation such that uh, there's depredation in a cornfield or something like that. Somebody would ask you to come and hunt, and that's a good spot too. Uh, and you're doing your, your yourself a favor with uh, a higher probability of bear. You're helping a producer out. All these things work together. But to go in a place where you don't have permission to only do uh, take certain parts of the bear, which is wanton waste, all that type of stuff has problems, let alone the reputation that it gives hunting. Well, and speaking of bear, we did have bear season here in the yep. early fall. Uh, how How was bear season this Actually, year? it was improved a little this year. We've uh, taken quite a few bear. I don't recall the exact number, but it was up from last year. So I think in general, and, and it, success in bear season usually goes along with the abundance or lack of abundance of natural foods. And this year, there was a little bit of a lack of abundance of uh, some natural foods, acorns and stuff, depending on where you were at. Uh, which makes bear more vulnerable to baiting and all that type of stuff. So we did see an increase, a tick up in uh, bear harvest this year. Okay. Um, and we want to talk deer, of course. Uh, we just wrapped up the uh, the firearm season. Um, 
overall first impressions what you've been able to see how was deer hunting in the northwest region this year northwest region was down about eight percent over what it had been over last year which is uh i'd have to say i'm a little disappointed in that we had set um the permit areas a little more liberal this year as we talked about earlier kevin going into the season um and we really didn't see that what we saw was a buck harvest that was basically flat in other words it was about the same as last year which is indication that you know population is probably about the same but we saw lesser of harvest in the antlerless deer portions and i would say if if you would draw a line let's say from warroad through bemidji uh down to winona uh somewhere in there um um Winona, Wadena, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But um, in that area there, that's where we saw a a reduction in harvest on that, you know, and uh, largely it was in the antlers portion of it, but bucks in that area as well. The stuff that was for the northwest and far south in the region there, uh, about par, I would say, and and within the normal amount of variability. So overall, northwest region, uh, about 8% down and, and largely in those areas. And that area in particular, say say Bemidji on all the way down Park Rapids and further south, that gets into our very highest uh, um, place where we harvest the most deer. And uh, that was down a little bit this year. There, you know, I hate to ask or look for reasons why, but one of the big factors this year, especially in that area there where you get that mix of agriculture, there was a lot of standing corn uh, out mm. there. In fact, I talked to our area supervisor, Rob Baden, in Detroit Lakes yesterday. He estimates that in that area where he's um, has his work area, about 50% of the corn still remains out there, and that's that's a, a pretty easy place for a deer to hide and take refuge. Not only that, to grab a snack uh, and a good <laughs> meal while they're there. So right, right. Yeah, um, we're not concerned about the number of deer. Not to speak of. Um, I do think that we will need to be crunching the little numbers now uh, as we get into this January, February season uh, to figure out what we want to do for next year. I have a sense maybe that uh, we want we might want to go a little more conservative next year. That's just my guess on on many of the things here. But we're going to have to factor in, you know, what was harvested, what, you know, what was a buck and, and antlerless ratio, all that type of stuff. And, and there will be modeling to be done as well. So, um, I, you know, I, I'll be the last person to, to apply for a, a fortune teller, <laughs> <laughs> especially after some of the interviews I've had with you. <laughs> but uh, that's my guess for what we might see next year. And, and uh, it's way too early to tell. But, but uh, that's, that's what I think we're going to be looking at. What did you hear around the rest of the state? Rest of the state, we're at about 172,000 deer harvested so far. We still have a little bit more muzzleloader to go. We've got some special hunts happening down in that CWD zone. Archery season still in just a little bit. So uh, I'm expecting that number to come up a little bit, but I'm expecting overall in the state we're going to be down as well. Okay. Uh, so difficult to say. I haven't seen the figures on uh, number of license sold. I'm not sure exactly where we're at with that. And, and if indeed in the southeast uh, area, are we seeing a lesser um, um, uh, purchase of license in that area because of CWD? Well, I, I don't have that figures yet, but uh, that'd be things we'll be looking at as well. What have we heard uh, this year as far as CWD goes? Anything? Well, we've done pretty good job of collecting samples. We're about 15,000 this year. We're hoping to get uh, 17, so we're on target for that. We still have more that we're collecting through muzzleloader, through special hunts and the like as that. Um, 
I would say two areas of very good news. The area around St. Cloud, which is that central area, uh, at roughly 600 deer, a little less than that, uh, tested. No, no, nothing turned up. In the north central area, uh, which is north of Brandard, that Merrillville area, Pine River stuff, um, I think we were just about 3,700 samples, maybe a little bit more of that up to this point. And of the number that's tested, which is probably – um, I would say 80 to 90 percent of them uh, have been tested. We still have a few that's out yet. Uh, nothing's turned up. Fabulous news. I, I think I would just not um, – it would be terrible to have a, a positive turn up there in addition to what we uh, have, just that one right now. So yeah. good news. In the southeast, though, we are finding some deer so far. Um, that's where the majority of the deer have been sampled, of course, the, over 10,000, I believe. And um, – Right now we have 12 confirmed additional CWD positive deer with another six that are suspect. And if it's suspect, it goes through a series of additional tests uh, to say it is or is not. So um, when we look at the number of deer testing positive year to year, we are still on the increase every year. Now, it's, it's small numbers, but this is one of the things you try to nip in the bud so it doesn't become big numbers. Yeah. And... Um, uh, I have to admit, I have a lot of trepidation about what's happening in the southeast. I'm, I'm very concerned about that. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's not exactly the same thing, but I always think about, you know, AIS. You know, you try to stop that, try to stop that, and then you keep hearing it continues, it continues. continues so um, it's different. It's a disease, but it, it, it kind of that same thing. You want to keep it in one area and not let it get out of that area. Exactly. I guess if there is good news coming out of the southeast, the areas that we are finding those deer that are positive are the areas that we would expect it in. We had sort of a fringe area we called the control area that was north and west of that zone, and we have found nothing in that. So that's a good sign. But uh, there again, we're finding additional deer, you know, uh, that uh, – We'll, ta- we'll tally up more than what we've seen the year before. Well, ironically, right after we had this conversation, there was a report of a deer that tested CWD positive in Douglas County. That is the furthest west we've seen a CWD positive deer. That was from a deer farm in Douglas County. They're in the discovery phase. Board of Animal Health is involved, and the CWD response plan will then go into effect. We will certainly check in with John later on and get more details on what's going on with that deer in Douglas County, but certainly we wanted to let you know about that. We've got a lot more to come with John Williams next. More of the great outdoors with Kev Jackson next on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by DS Beverages and by Bonded Lock and Key. Don't forget to check us out online at kbunsportsradio.com. Click on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Plus, we're on social media. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and check out the podcast. You can listen to it whenever and wherever you want, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager John Williams, my guest today. Um, back to, you know, the, the deer harvest itself. Um, you know, certain, a lot of deer hunters are looking for a specific size. They don't want to take something too small. They don't want to take something, you know, some of them want to get the big buck, others not so much. Are we finding a situation where they're mainly not finding the, the right the right size deer out there? I certainly talk to some hunters who are 
more than happy to pass on certain size deer uh, or, or an antlerless deer or something like that. Uh, you kind of have two sides of that coin. With first, first is that person maybe looking for a trophy deer, and the other side of that's looking for a freezer full of nice fresh meat. I kind of fall in the latter part of that. And I've got a, a, a friend of mine who falls on the other part of that, <laughs> and so that's a that's a good uh, a good discussion to have because one side says, "Well, you shouldn't shoot that smaller buck," you know, and I'm thinking, "Well, that smaller buck doesn't taste as uh, taste pretty good compared to some of those <laughs> others." So, you know, so that argument kind of goes circular uh, to that degree. But yeah, we do find people that will actually not fill a tag this year, you know, this year or, or in previous years because they are looking for that trophy buck to put on the wall. Are we, uh, I mean, what is the average age of the deer population out there? Do we do we know? Well, probably the most uh, taken deer, the most harvested deer in an area that is, let's say, the northwest. It's going to be a year and a half old buck probably is, is probably pretty average from that standpoint. That adult doe, uh, probably that could be anywhere from, you know, a year and a half old up to up higher than that. Um, those big bucks get that way because... They're a little more talented at evading hunters. They're, it's not an accident that uh, uh, you don't see those deer very often, you know, in the, in the harvest. I would mm-hmm. say this, though, that in any particular station that I've worked, we uh, almost always see deer that you'd call trophy deer coming in, you know, whatever that might be. And, of course, you know, the youngsters had a, a pretty good shot at it this year statewide. And uh, I was hunting with my grandson on opener, and he shot a nice eight-point buck. And and uh, and it was a probably two-and-a-half-year-old deer. So, Pretty happy, pretty proud of them, you know, yeah. uh, grandpas, you can only imagine. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and I did see, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Facebook pictures oh, yeah. from people who took their kids or grandkids out, and there, there was a lot of success in that youth deer hunt. There was, uh, you know, 21,000 licensed sold, uh, almost 6,000 deer harvested like that. It's a little bit of a controversy if you're kind of paying attention to the wind on what some people are saying, and, well, maybe they don't like that, or others that say, absolutely, we like that, and once again, you have those two opposing sides, you know, kind of going at each other. But I'd have to say that there's more people that I'm hearing appreciate the fact they can uh, take their grandchild or, or a younger hunter out and uh, uh, have him exposed to that. Think of our opener uh, season this year. It was a little chilly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, uh, if you were out in an open deer stand, that got to be a, a, a situation where you may not stay out there very long. And and uh, with young kids that maybe don't have quite as good a clothing as the adults have, uh, even less. You know, and again, comparing it to fishing, I've heard from, angl- uh, from guides many times. If you want to get kids involved in fishing, you don't take them out walleye fishing in july when the bite is hard waiting to get that finicky walleye right you take them pan fishing when they just keep reeling them in and so yes i'm for anything that'll get kids out there and having a good experience in the yes. hunting world yeah you know uh you talk about those four stages of hunting and stuff like that and the first stage is you want to get something you want to be successful yeah. and for a kid or even for an adult who's first starting out you want to have them be able to take a deer or a duck or a pheasant or whatever it is they're going after. So real important for that. And I, I do have concern that, that uh, you know, our seasons be successful to that degree because we want to be able to recruit these younger people to uh, enjoy the outdoors, whether it's hunting or just out bird watching or something. But we need, we need that. And uh, I feel strongly about that to the point if we don't have people who, who find interest and, and – uh, some feature of that outdoors then if there's no attention paid to it then that like anything else if it's not looked after it diminishes and uh, minnesota doesn't need that we need people who are 
are wanting to see that. And largely, we've had that in the past. We want to keep it that way in the future. Okay. I'm going to show a little bit of my ignorance here when it comes to the, the hunting rules and regulations as far as um, – you mentioned, you know, a muzzleloader and archery season, which I know a lot of people who do both. Now, when you buy a license, are those different licenses, or is that one license and you can take them one of three ways? They are different licenses. Okay. Uh, the history of that has been what you talked about earlier. You, there was something at one time called a multi-zone license. We've talked about a multi uh, uh season license stuff like that that's never happened to my knowledge okay but for each of those seasons you can buy a license okay uh, the overall feature right now is and this has been a great change over the last 20 years is that if you look at that deer map that shows the deer permit areas and the color that those things are each of those colors represent certain things green is the most liberal where you can kill three deer in it red is two deer uh, that brown color means you can take a deer of any sex and of course the blue is a lottery where you have to have a permit for that depending upon where you go you can use all three seasons all of those fill all those licenses and depending upon what you have in those licenses you know they come basically with the option of shooting a buck deer there are overall limits now you can only shoot one buck deer a year you can shoot up to five deer a year you know for your total limit but you can only you know I, I'm doing a lot of butts here. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah. so you're right. You you can get quite twisted as far as well. What can I do? What 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 I need to do? Add in bonus permits there, and it gets a little bit more confusing from the standpoint. The best thing to do is is look at your deer permit area where you're looking at. Understand what the the limits are in that, and then try to understand what your options are for that. You know, in terms of what license you have to use to kill what deer. Um, I can get deeper into that, Kevin, just how far down the weeds you want to go. So, But it is it is something It's probably one of the most commonly called questions uh, right before deer season. Like, I have this permit area I'm hunting in. What can I take as far as deer, and how can I take them? So, yeah. Yeah. So um, about how many people muzzle loaded and uh, bow and arrow hunt? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, I can tell you that in the state, you know, we have just a little, just a little under a shade under about a half million deer hunters altogether. Okay. Uh, some of those deer hunters are hunting uh, all three seasons. Some of them only hunt one season. Uh, as far as the number of archery hunters, I can't say off the top of my head. Nor muzzleloader hunters. I can give you a sense about harvest. Okay. You know, firearms, firearms harvest in our regular firearm season, we take somewhere between eighty and eighty-five percent of the deer are shot that way. Muzzleloader, maybe 5 to 10%. Archery, probably in that 10 to 15% range, something like that. And those are really general figures. really depends upon the year, depends upon seasons, the way they're set, and, and these type of things. But that's a general sense of that. I don't have a number of how many people hunt in each particular season. Okay. I know if you want to get in the woods sooner and have a longer season, you want to get your archery permit. Yeah, and... and uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's a it's a fall time of year when you don't have to dress up as much, and there's mm -hmm. amenities to uh, uh, just enjoying the wildlife at different times of the year too. Uh, so, it, it is a it is a good season, opening up in September and running all the way through the end of December. So, you know, one of the things I've, I've seen a lot uh, the, the youth archery numbers seem to be exploding in the state of Minnesota with the uh, the competitions they've had at BSU every year, and and I'm just wondering if that's going to translate into more uh, archery hunters down the road. It typically does, you know, as people begin to develop their skills and 
that particular thing, archery, muzzleloader, or even firearms, you know, you want to take that next step of actually utilizing that to to that degree. Uh, for my own self, you know, I got into black powder hunting uh, back in the 70s, and I hadn't deer hunted up to that point. And I thought, well, I'd like to shoot a deer with this. And, and uh, that's when I started deer hunting. So and it was because of uh, an interest that somebody had got me in, into when I was a lot younger and saying, uh, let's look at muzzleloaders and see what it's like. Okay. So uh, archery is no different, you know. And now that we have <clears throat> archery in the schools and then the trap shooting that we have here, I can't help but think that people want to take out a next step and enjoy whether that's pheasant hunting or, or deer hunting or other things that uh, spin off of that. So. Yeah, let's let's think about that a little bit uh, while we're we're talking about it. Uh, we have duck season, we had goose season, uh, pheasant season. Like we had our most uh, our fall turkey hunt uh, season. How's all that stuff going? Well, interestingly enough, um, I haven't heard a lot of good reports on duck this year. It kind of depends on where you are at and and what the condition of the water was. We went into this year with a ton of fall rain. You know, September, October was just big. Yeah. I was able to uh, get up to Thief Lake one time, which is a, a very notable waterfowl area. And that lake was two and a half feet higher than what it had been uh, in normal years. So bulrushes, which typically are about four feet out of the out of the water, and Phragmites about the same, maybe five or six. All of a sudden, you're sitting in cover that's only two foot high. And the ducks just kind of fly by, and you can wave at them. And that's about, that's about what, what uh, I experienced up at the okay. this year. Their numbers went down as far as harvest percent, you know, how many ducks per hundred they, they averaged and stuff like that. So depending on where you're at, ducks seem uh, to be a little tougher this year. With all the water out there as well, they didn't have to concentrate, and they didn't have to fly back in the evenings to certain places. So that, that influenced that. Goose season, I heard, was pretty good. Um, fall turkey is not something that a lot of people take advantage of. Spring, yeah, absolutely. But fall, I guess, a competition with other species or hunting, maybe that really hasn't taken off that much. Uh, deer, we've talked about uh, a little bit. Um, grouse, um, seems like we're maybe in a little bit of a downswing right now from that. There was a couple of bright spots, believe it or not, in that Crookston, Thief River Falls area and mm. the beach ridges out there. Uh, that's hard hunting because there's... Uh, the woods out there are, are hazel, uh, pretty hazel thick, and, and uh, it's difficult hunting grouse in those in those particular situations. Pheasant, I've heard mixed results on. In the southern part of the region, we have a few areas that's been pretty good. In other areas, we're not so much. I haven't heard much in the more traditional areas down by Ivanhoe and Marshall and some of those places uh, for how they've been. But uh, they also had some of that high water as well, and I'm not sure how that's gone for them as well. How are our uh populations for those various animals um grouse of course is cyclic you know yeah. and, and we're we're probably in that somewhat downswing i'm guessing right now pheasant um we've seen sort of a diminishment over the last let's say five or six years we're still looking for uh, maybe an upswing in that depends on habitat you know um there was a time when uh, quite a bit of land was being tilled up when wheat and uh, corn and soybeans and everything like that went sky high for the prices on that and uh some of that Stuff that was plowed up probably will never come back in the habitat if it's being farmed now. So it's really a difficult thing, and and, uh, uh, we do try to purchase lands in those areas specifically for that type of uh, recreation, as well as the other thing that it it does, grasslands in particular. Um, But again, it depends upon the habitat conditions, uh, for pheasant especially, uh, what we might have. And we've Mm -hmm. been, if you look over time, you know, I'm talking, you know, 50, 60 years ago, uh, we are seeing quite a quite a less uh, harvest in those things, and largely again habitat related. Okay, um, boy, turkeys though they have really taken off for turkeys everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
That's very true. And um, uh, we are actually looking at maybe ways to monitor turkey populations, you know, up to probably, I don't know, 2007, somewhere in there, 2008, 2009. We were still trying to release turkeys to get them um, populated in the state. Turkeys are where they've never traditionally been. You know, it was only the southeast portion of the state, which I say pre-settlement, you probably had turkeys. But now we have turkeys uh, all the way up into Canada. Uh, you can just go follow that Red River all the way up there. And, and uh, we have good turkey hunting in the northwest part of the, the state. Yeah, in we addition do. to this area right here, uh, you hear a lot of people talking about dodging them on the road, or every now and then you'll see one dead on the road that's been hit. But it's not uncommon at all, you know, in the fall especially. You're looking at some hillside, and there's a flock of 20, 30 turkeys that are just moseying around, uh, bugging, or, or uh, uh, passing by. Yeah. Wow. Cool cool bird. Yeah. And uh, and you're just mentioning a few seasons that are coming soon. That I didn't even know we had those seasons in the state of Minnesota. Oh, uh, Fisher, Martin, uh, Bobcat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, going to be opening up for the latter part of December here. And uh, those are trapping seasons for the most part. Uh, and those are sort of trophy animals to uh, to be able to harvest, you know, trap-wise and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, trapping in general kind of waxes and wanes according to fur prices. And I would say that there's probably not a lot of people getting rich on trapping these days selling fur. So it is more of a recreational aspect of things that you can get a few coins for if uh, you choose to. But uh, a good a good pelt on the wall uh, in a man cave looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. That's that true. is true. So how many things can we trap and hunt for in the state of Minnesota? Well, those are the primary ones that I've talked about as far as the trophy ones. But you look at some very common ones that, you know, in the past have been very functional in terms of uh, people trapping muskrat, beaver, raccoon, these type of things, fox in particular, mm-hmm. um, coyote. People like to uh, to do that as well. So uh, those, in addition to those, uh, bobcat, fisher, martin, otter is another good one. All those type of things are available to people if they choose to get into that. I would say for the person who's never done that before, the best way to do it is to get with somebody who does that. So you learn the trade. You learn how to set traps safely. You know, one of the concerns mm. has been, well, you know, dogs and traps and stuff like that, hunting dogs and our, our pets and stuff like that. And there are ways you can avoid those, and, and you need to learn that way. Um, so there's a lot of interest in doing it. It's very traditional. Um and, you know, if you really want to get into it, you can make some absolutely beautiful clothing out of it as well. So even yeah. deer, from that standpoint, uh, the leather comes out of deer can be beautiful in terms of uh, its wear, its warmth, and, and uh, whatever. If you knew Paul T. Lander, uh, he always yeah. made me a little bit envious. He had a, uh, uh, a deer jacket that he had done when he was a kid. Sent it off. Had had uh, this beautiful jacket made out of it. It had thinsulate put into it, and it was warm, and it's like, man. I'd like to have one of those. But you look at the cost, it's like, ooh. <laughs> it takes a little bit of, of coins to do that as well. So, yeah. so uh, what's, what's next for the northwest region here in the, uh, in the winter months? We do a lot of crunching of numbers this time of year. We get into a lot of meetings to talk about things, you know, as we go through natural resources and all aspects of it as well. One of the things that's coming up, Kevin, I don't have the – we're not quite ready to, to – put a public release out of it, but we will, we will be doing deer goal setting in the future. And there will be two meetings that will occur, one in January, one in February, both in the latter parts of each of those months. Um, 
if you look at the state of Minnesota and go up by International Falls and just draw a line over to Roseau and Kitson County, then down the Red River Valley uh, and kind of swing over towards Alexandria, there are four blocks and they contain you know a number of deer permit areas. Each of those permit areas form a block of land, of um, uh, deer deer permit areas that will be resetting the goal population uh, in. And goal population, what does it mean? Well, we average. Uh, basically the number of deer per square mile that's pre-fawning. So take, say, in March or April before fawns are typically born, how many deer per square mile does that deer permit area have as a goal? Uh, for example, up in uh, 264 where I hunt, you know, it's in that 8 to 9 uh, deer per square mile range uh, to that degree. Some places it's a lot higher. That Park Rapids area I talked about, you know, can be up in the, the 20s. Uh, and then you get over towards Red River Valley where it's mostly all ag, it may be down as low as one or two deer per square mile from that standpoint. So what we need to do, though, is we engage the public, and we will be engaging the public at these two meetings, to uh, determine what are you seeing out there, what would you like to see for deer population, would you would you care to see it higher, would you care to see it lower. And, of course, you have various uh, interests in that. You have the hunting interests, which may Im- impact a, uh, a higher goal. Or you have the agricultural interest, which may say, no, we're, we're seeing enough depredation, and we would like to see it lower. Uh, so those are the factors that come into that, and we have to weigh all those and then make a choice for where our deer population goes. In 2005, those were the areas that were, were last set, and we were, went through a goal-setting process starting in two four, two, uh, 2014, did two-thirds of the state, and then the deer plan came into effect, and we kind of put that on hold. So these last four blocks in that area that I talked about are the last ones to be done. And there's a lot of buyer's remorse in uh, deer goal setting from the 2005 to 2007. We were at the highest point of deer that we've ever had probably in those, in those years. You know, the, yeah. highest, the highest harvest, deer harvest we had was 2003. And uh, at that time, people were saying, we want less deer. And, you know, and so we set deer population goals a lot a lot less. And it took us almost 10 years to get to those goal levels that we set during that time. And when we got there, we heard some people saying, uh, this is too low. I'm not seeing very many deer. Um, Add a bad winter on top of that, and they weren't seeing a lot of deer that they expected to see. And that's 2014 all over again. So um, this is a process that we do. We want to engage the public in. Uh, I would ask that uh, maybe people who are interested in that, they can talk uh, uh, to some of the area wildlife staff about that as well. Look for some news releases coming out probably, oh, I would think in the next uh, couple of weeks maybe, about uh, meeting places that we'll have to discuss uh, deer setting in those areas. Okay. John Williams is the Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager and kind of covered as many things as we could, uh, including, of course, this past deer season. John, we thank you for taking the time to come in and share all the information with us. Uh, sounds like there are things we want to work on, but overall, um, we're doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, carry on, as the word says. <laughs> so that's what we intend to do. And, uh, of course, it's always good for us to talk. You know, uh, usually in the, uh, the spring as well as the fall, we have uh, public meetings that people can come to our area wildlife offices. And typically we talk about deer, but it's a good place to talk about other things as well. And any other time, you can want to stop into a wildlife office, give us a call, drop in, talk to the area wildlife supervisor there, see us up in the region. We appreciate your uh, conversation and your inputs.
Okay. John, thanks for stopping by today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. This has been Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hear it exclusively on KBUN-FM 104.5, Thursdays at 1240 and Saturday mornings at 8.